0: Morning, everyone. Special word of welcome, if you are visiting with us this morning, it's great to have you with us wherever you may be. If you are in Bundaberg, if you are around the corner, maybe watching from around the world, drop us a message, put a comment in there, hit one of the reaction buttons, let us know that you're there. We would love to hear from you. We would love to engage with you. Part of what we do here in Bundaberg is the live stream Uh, particularly because we want that engagement. So uh, let us know that you're watching. Let us know where you're watching from. And as the sermon goes, if you have a question, if you have a comment, pop it in there. And uh, we will get to those, if not immediately, then definitely through the week. This week is also our uh, our Synod in Session, which is meeting virtually. Uh, Since uh, um, Friday and Saturday, we've uh, spent a lot of time in front of the computer and uh, running the um, being part of the virtual synod so that's been quite a new experience but if there are synod delegates who are watching this live stream welcome to you as a, as I said drop your name in the comments box <coughs> excuse me and let us know then I would like to <coughs> sorry just give a, a quick shout out to my dad who uh, celebrates 50 years of ordination, ordained ministry, this past weekend. That's an incredible milestone. Uh, Pre-COVID, we had actually planned to be together at this time, and uh, it would have been lovely to have had him uh, take the service. Particularly, it would have given me a day off and uh, a nice little break. But uh, that's not to be. Instead, uh, Dad, I know that you and Mom watch at half past one in the morning in South Africa, one of our most faithful uh, watchers. But uh, congratulations to both of you on, uh, of a lifetime of, a, of, of service, of faithfulness to God, and of fulfilling the calling that He has placed on your lives. I know that many have commented on other Facebook posts. If, uh, if you want to, though, if, um, if, if uh, I know that many have been touched by Dad's ministry along the way, feel free to drop a comment into this live feed as well. I know that uh, Mom will get it and uh, pass it on to Dad. So congratulations to, to both of you. Then uh, also just to mention two in-house notices— the, uh, the Common Grounds is meeting again. Common Grounds is our, our, our breakfast meeting. The breakfast meeting, uh, breakfast part of it is meeting again. Not the afternoon yet. But uh, in the morning, Tuesday morning, half past eight, uh, a small group of people that's open to anyone meet out at James's Place opposite Henkler Center. James's Place is the best coffee shop in Bundaberg. They do phenomenal breakfasts. James and Candace are part of our congregation, and uh, the hospitality is just amazing. So come along at half past eight and uh, be part of Common Grounds. It's an opportunity just to chat a little bit about the sermon and engage with us as uh, as we, we take it just a little bit deeper over a delicious breakfast and a cup of coffee. Then next week is our communion Sunday uh, service. So Make sure that you have elements for communion. I think this is probably the first month I've actually remembered to remind you the week before. So uh, as we've been doing in the past, whatever elements that you have handy will be fine. Make sure that you have something there for us next week and we'll share in the sacrament of Holy Communion together. And so I say to you this morning, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. If you're watching this with somebody, take the opportunity to pass God's peace onto them and to bless them with that greeting. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we gather before you wherever we may be, whether we are watching this live in this beautiful Sunday morning in Bundaberg or whether we're watching it around the world or whether we're listening to the podcasts or the YouTube which, uh, which happens later on, We thank you that you are with us, that you are not bound by time and space, but that you bind us through your Holy Spirit and connect us, that as we hear your word, we we know that you are a God who speaks through the words of Scripture. You are a living God, a God not locked away in some tomb, a God not hidden away in the pages of a history book, but a God who is alive, a God who interacts. A God who, who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, breathes words out of Scripture into our lives, makes them relevant, challenges us, changes us, grows us. We thank you, Lord God, that you are ever faithful, even when we are not. That you are always journeying through life with us. That you are always beside us. That you constantly uh, engage with us and reach out to us. And in moments where we forget you, Lord, you never forget us. You never leave us nor forsake us. The love you show for us, Lord, is, is an amazing love to, to, to incredible for us to comprehend. But in response, Lord God, we offer ourselves, our lives to be lived in service of you. We offer ourselves to worship you. We offer ourselves, Lord God, to be your hands and feet building your kingdom in this world. And so, Lord God, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, you may be glorified in this hour and that you may minister to each of us in a way that we understand, in a way that is relevant, in a way that is challenging. May you be glorified, we pray. In and through the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, if you've uh, been with us over the last few weeks, we're journeying through Paul's letter to the Philippians, uh, studying what this amazing portion of Scripture has to say to us and how it speaks into our lives. And uh, today is the third sermon in that series, and we're reading from chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross." Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So far in his word today, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Part of our worship each Sunday is to dedicate the gifts and offerings that have been deposited through direct deposits into the church bank account, as well as those that have been brought into the church office. We thank you for your faithfulness uh, in this, for your continuing to, to honor God and to worship Him through your gifts and offerings. And just to make the invitation to you, if you would like to be part of that direct deposit system. Our bank details are on our website. They're on our Facebook page. They're in the comments of the sermon. Uh, you can find those, and, uh, and if that is a way in which you want to give and to support the work of this church, then you're welcome to do that. Thank you also to those who keep bringing their gifts into the office. That also uh, is an opportunity or a, an option for you. You're welcome to drop off your gifts and offerings there each week. We take a moment and we dedicate those offerings to God and we bring to Him our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. Lord God, to give these gifts of money to You is an incredible privilege. Nowhere else would we be permitted to give kings or queens gifts. They would be subject to all sorts of scrutiny. We just don't have the right or privilege. But yet, Lord, we have the opportunity today and, and every day to give of ourselves, to give you gifts, to physically bring before you these offerings. And so, Lord, it is with glad and joyful hearts that we give to you these gifts as an offering of our worship, as a token of our love, as a, as a sign of our thanksgiving. And we pray that you would take them and use them and bless them in order that they may con- There may be a blessing in this community that they may continue the work of this church. That they may be used to bring the name of Jesus in all places in Bundaberg. Lord God, we pray for those who do not know the name of Jesus. For those who are lost and struggling. For those who, who battle to know the purpose of their lives. For those, Lord, who are facing times of, of great difficulty or trial. For those, Lord, who have situations coming this week which, which they are dreading. We pray for those, Lord, who are struggling through relationship issues. Those, Lord, who have financial issues. Those, Lord, who have lost loved ones due to covid or some other disease, illness, those who are, are missing people who they dearly love. We pray for those, Lord God, who suffer from mental stresses and, and illnesses, for those who struggle with anxiety and depression and bipolar and all of those things. We pray, Lord God, for those who are undergoing treatment for terminal illnesses. We pray, Lord God, for those things that perhaps are known only to you and to us. For those things that concern us and worry us. For those things, Lord God, which, which we really just need to commit to you. You know what they are. This morning, help us to leave them in your hands. And now, Lord God, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. We pray, Lord God, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would take whatever is said and allow our ears to hear the message that is relevant for us that lets us know you are speaking to us. May it be your voice we hear May it be your words that are spoken. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. I don't know about you, but I have had it up to my eyeballs with election news and election promises and election campaigning and voter instruction and horrible adverts and election flyers in my post box. I saw a picture the other day on the internet of a septic tank truck. You know, those big trucks that empty out the septic tanks. And on the side, it said, Caution, political promises in transit. And let me tell you, That if all of this stuff, if you think that it is frustrating for you, just imagine how I feel. I'm getting all of this stuff, and I can't even vote because I'm not a citizen. So when the news bulletin finally finishes with our local election news, and you think that they are finally moving on to to something else of interest, they say, and now in election news from the United States, oh! Enough already. For those who don't live in Queensland, to give you a bit of context, at this particular point in time, Queensland is just about to hold its state elections where local members and the premier uh, for the state are being chosen. At the same time, I hardly have to tell you this because it's the same for everyone in the world, the United States is nearing the end of their presidential elections. And in the United States, both major candidates campaign heavily as being the candidate with Christian values, saying that they will be the one that lives out the values of Christ, that puts those values into the way that they govern. In Queensland, I think this is far less of a campaign focus from candidates. But I have received quite a bit of correspondence or flyers from different Christian organizations in Australia, in Queensland, telling me which party has the most Christian values. And if I'm a true Christian, then really this is the party I should be voting for. They don't say it, but you can see the angle from a mile away. And the funny thing is that I've had different Christian organizations saying that different parties are the most Christian, depending on which... Christian uh, values that particular organization chooses to highlight. Now, as I said, it's a bit of a waste of paper in my case because we're not citizens, we're not allowed to vote. So just for the record, I'm not picking any sides. But what I did notice that in all of these things and in the case of the candidates in the United States, the list of Christian values is highly subjective, and the, the values that get picked out are values that suit a particular political outlook, and often, if, if not almost inevitably, ignores values that I think Jesus would say are the most important. One only has to look at our Philippians reading today to notice that in politics, Today, there is almost a complete absence of what Paul says are the major attributes and characteristics of Jesus. Listen to what Paul writes Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests. But each of you, to the interests of others, have the same mind as Christ Jesus. He made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, he humbled himself by becoming obedient obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now, this isn't a political talk, nor do I... I believe, in preaching politics from the pulpit. I mention the political context of Queensland and the United States simply because they are dominating the news and are, in fact, a perfect illustration of the way in which humanity is capable of selecting Christian values that we like and looking the other way when it comes to values that we don't particularly like or values that make us uncomfortable or values that may cost us something. This is not something new, it's not something unique to party politics, it is human nature. We're all tempted to take, as the most important thing, those Christ values that suit us, that we find easy to do, and we can often ignore or look away from the Christian values that are uncomfortable and difficult and costly to live by. It is because of this aspect of human nature that Paul's letter to the Philippians is a letter of instruction. Over the last few weeks, as I said, we've journeyed through Philippians. We've seen that it's a letter of encouragement. We've seen that it's a letter of purpose. And today, we see that it's a letter of instruction. It's a letter that says, That if this is what you have experienced from Jesus Christ, if you've experienced encouragement, if you've experienced joy, if you have experienced purpose, if you've experienced love and hope and tenderness and compassion and comfort from knowing Christ, then you need to live in the same way that Jesus did. If you want to be faithful, says Paul, then the values of Jesus are your goal. The life of Christ and nothing less is what you should be working towards. John phrased it slightly differently uh, when he said, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. You see, as beautiful as the Philippian church was, Paul knew that human nature exists in every human heart and that the potential to squeeze Jesus into a certain mold that we like or to box him in uh, into a box that, that we're comfortable with, to see, him, to see in him only the values that, that suit us. Paul knows that this is human nature. Someone once wrote, God created us in his image, and then we went and returned the favor. In other words, we have created God. We've, we've boxed Him in in a way that we like to see Him, in a way that works for us, and in a way that's comfortable for us. As Paul writes to the Philippians, he knows well that this temptation exists. He knows that this temptation exists in the desire to live out only those selected Christian values, which would be easy for us. And he knows too that in doing that, the consequences would be devastating for the young church in Philippi. You see, even though there's no conflict there at the moment, even though there's no division in that church in Philippi, Paul can already see uh, the warning signs. And so in chapter 4, which we will get to in a couple of weeks, he mentions two people by name, saying to them, Hey, hey, remember these values. Remember the values of Christ, not just the values you want. Remember all the values of Jesus, who even though he was equal with God, made himself a servant and considered others above himself. These are the values. This is the example by which you are to live. The letter to the Philippians is a letter of instruction in which Paul takes time and points out the values of Jesus, and in so doing, points out that they are not always easy to follow, nor are they electives. But they are values that if aspired to, values that if we follow faithfully, they will lead to God's purpose for our life being fulfilled. They will lead to a greater sense of faithfulness. They will lead to a a satisfying, fulfilling Christian life that will bring glory to God that will be a life that builds his kingdom i found a story from tony campolo who 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 tells about the moment he realized that the nature of humanity is to is to pick and choose the values by which it wants to live he writes while teaching at the university of pennsylvania I became good friends with a young Jewish student who eventually made a commitment to Christ. As I tried to mentor him and give him direction as to how to live the Christian life, I advised him to go to a particular church that was well-known for its biblically-based preaching to help him get a better handle on what the Bible is all about. When I met my friend several weeks later, he said to me, you know, if you put together a committee— and ask them to take the Beatitudes and create a religion that contradicted every single one of them, you would come pretty close to what I'm hearing down at that church. Whereas Jesus said, blessed are the poor, down there they make it quite clear that it is the rich who are blessed. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. But the people at that church have a religion that promises happiness with no crucifixions. Where Jesus talked about the meek being blessed, they talk as if they took assertive training courses, assertiveness training courses. Jesus may have talked about the merciful and the peacemakers, but those people are the most enthusiastic supporters of American militarism and capital punishment that I have ever seen. Jesus may have lifted up those who endured persecution because they dared to embrace a radical gospel. But that church declares a gospel that espouses middle class success and affirms a lifestyle marked by social prestige. Tony says, As I listened to my friends' accusing words about the church, I realized that it could just as well be aimed at me. Since that conversation, I've spent a lot of time reflecting on whether or not my lifestyle is really Christian. Soren Kierkegaard once said, if you mean by Christian what the Sermon on the Mount says about being a Christian, then in any given time in history, there might be four or five such persons who would have the right to call themselves Christians. Now, that may, that may hurt. That may be a little bit tough to hear. But looking at Paul's description of Jesus, it is easy to see where Kierkegaard or Campolo actually get that assumption from. I've spoken over the last couple of weeks about how beautiful Paul's letter to the Philippians is, with its wonderful verses that often get printed on bookmarks and coffee mugs. But it's not just a few beautiful verses. It's a very challenging book, too. And today we hear Paul challenging us right to the core as to say, how are you really doing in terms of living out Christian values? Not just the ones you like, the Christian values that Christ lived. How are you really doing in living out a Christ-centered life? So what does that look like for us? Well, for the Philippians, it, could quite, uh, it would definitely have meant quite literally that it would cost them their life. After all, they were Romans living in a Roman colony. Paul had been jailed and arrested, and, and uh, as far as the Romans were concerned, this uh, Christianity business uh, was an uprising. It was a problem that needed to be dealt with. And so there was great persecution for early Christians in the years that followed. But fortunately, this is not the case for us. Instead of physical persecution, though, the costliness for us comes in when we are willing to value others above ourselves. When we are willing to sacrifice what may be a priority for us in order that someone else may benefit. This is the first instruction from Paul on what it means to be like Christ. Humility in the likeness of Christ. This is what he writes. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. It's important to understand what this means. When Paul says, value others above yourselves, or as some versions have it, consider others better than yourself. What he's saying is that this is the action that takes away the tendency we have for self-centeredness or selfishness. He doesn't mean that we walk around in a state of depression because we're continually talking ourselves down. Oh, you're not valuable. You're not worthy. It's not that that he's saying when he says consider others better than yourself or, or value others above yourselves. That's not what it means. He's talking here of the extent that we concern ourselves with our own interests and with self-centeredness. He's talking about the importance that we place on our own interests and our own well-being above the interest and well-being of others. It's about when we put our desires, our wants, our needs uh, above others that, that that becomes a value that is contrary to the life and example and the character of Jesus. Paul in this letter to the Philippians, instructs us to be like Christ and to look to the interests and needs of others above our own. This is the first and foremost thing that Jesus did and the Christ value that we are to emulate, the setting aside of our life in favor of loving and serving others. This is the Christian value that really needs to be in place. This is the Christian value that is so difficult to do. Had Jesus been self-centered, had Jesus not uh, taken this value seriously, he would never have humbled himself to come in the form of a human baby, nor would he have ever gone to the cross. In fact, hordes of angels could have come and saved him if his well-being was his uh, his priority and desire. But it is the needs of others. It is the needs of us. It is the needs of you and me that come before his own. To put that Christ value in place in our lives is tough. It is difficult. Worldwide, uh, you can see the resistance that people have to, uh, you can see it even, um, you can see the difficulty even in the resistance that people have to wearing masks when mandated to do so. Where you see the attitude of people being, well, it's uncomfortable for me, so I'm not going to do it. So what if it means terrible illness or, or worse for someone else? My needs come first. Social distancing is too difficult for me to do. My needs come first. But it's not just social distancing and the wearing of masks. It's, it's any number of moments where our own needs get put above selfishly, above the needs of others. To live out this value is to live in an attitude of love, both in big and little things. It's in the little moments of how we treat our family, our neighbors, our work colleagues, our church members, even strangers. It's about adopting a sense of humility, which which willingly places people ahead of ourselves, just as Jesus did for us. Philip Yancey speaks about the sense of humility in one of his books where he says that he has, as a journalist, interviewed hundreds of people from very diverse circumstances. He says that, we can, that he can categorize them generally into two different groups, stars and servants. The stars, he says, are the sports heroes, the TV actors, the, the movie stars, the celebrities, And generally speaking, and I say generally because there are always exceptions, generally, they are the unhappiest of the two groups. They are plagued with self-doubt, anxiety, stress, financial issues, and troubled relationships. On the other hand, the servants, they, generally speaking, are the happier group. People who've worked for years in situations that are, are almost too horrible to think. Dr. Paul Brand, he mentions by name as somebody who's worked with the lepers in the, in the slums of, of India for years and years. Or other people he's interviewed in the places like Somalia and Sudan and Ethiopia and, and other such places where, where there is great suffering and poverty. And he says, these are the people who emerge as the far happier group. He says, they work for low pay and long hours and no applause, wasting their talents and skills among the poor and the uneducated. But somehow in the process of losing or giving their lives, they find themselves and they find God. What a challenging statement that is. As we waste our lives on other people, we find the meaning of life and we find God in those moments. That echoes the very words of Jesus himself, that whoever tries to hold on to their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Humility in the likeness of Christ. This is Paul's instruction for us. This is Paul's instruction to the Philippians on Christ-like values that need to be lived out. Everything else stems from that one point. Servanthood, love, kindness, the fruits of the Spirit, they all begin with the willingness to live in the humility of Jesus Christ and the willingness to give of ourselves, even, as he says to the Philippians, to the point of death. Counting ourselves not first, but counting Others first as we live for Christ, serving in his name, meeting the needs of others. That, friends, is the humility of Jesus. Philippians, as I said, is a beautiful letters. And the words are so key to faithful Christian living. And like I said at the beginning of the sermon, you can often find verses from Philippians that are printed on mugs or on bookmarks, and it's always these ones. It's always, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Beautiful. But perhaps those verses wouldn't be Paul's choice, or wouldn't be Jesus' choice to put on a mug or a t-shirt or a bookmark. As challenging as it might be, I think, in, I think that Paul and Jesus might say that this is the verse you need to be reminded of most often. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who made himself nothing by taking the nature of the servant he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. How challenging is that for you and for me as we seek to live out Christ like values today? I don't think that any politician can really, as part of a campaign, be promising to live out all the Christian values. But then again, it's not their job, it's yours and it's mine. We are the ones who need to be promising to live out Christ's values, even or maybe especially the difficult ones. May God bless us as we seek to fulfill that promise. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, you speak challenging words into our lives, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you are always challenging us to grow in faithfulness, always leading us to, to uh, deeper levels of connection with you. And we thank you, Lord, for the, for the promise of, of uh, this, this value lived out that brings us closer to you because we become like the very life of Christ, obedient even to the point of death. But Lord, we acknowledge this morning that that we have struggled to do this, that we do often box you in, that we do select Christian values that we like to live out and leave ones that we find tough. Holy Spirit, forgive us, we pray, and strengthen us to take up the challenge to hear the the voice of Christ speaking to us today. Strengthen us, Lord, through your spirit to be people who not only place others before ourselves, but see every opportunity to do so. And in living that way, in living out Christ's values, may your name be praised. May you be glorified. This morning, Lord, we've mentioned the different elections taking place. We pray, Lord God, for your hand to be over those election processes. We pray, Lord God, that, that you will be in and through whatever takes place. We pray, Lord God, for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, a reminder again that next week is our communion service. It'll be great uh, to share in the sacrament together. And as part of that communion service, I forgot to mention it at the beginning, but uh, Ray and I will be here after the service. And if you would like to come in and receive communion from us, uh, communion, have a time of prayer, whatever your needs are, you are welcome to do that. We've had uh, quite a few people take up the offer over the last two months. It would be lovely to see more people come in over the hour that um, the hour after the service. Come and receive the sacrament if you would like to to have that point of contact. All the COVID rules will be in place, but it's an opportunity simply to connect and uh, to receive the sacrament in the in the church. And uh, please, if you'd like to take up that opportunity. It is there for you. And now may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.